Welcome back to Hair of the Werewolf, a weekly supernatural and horror-themed podcast. I'm Chase, and I'm here with Lily. Hey, guys. Each episode, we attempt to scare each other with research stories from around the world, and admittedly, a few that are out of this world. So take a seat, grab a drink, and join us. So I have to admit, today, I'm a little hopped up on caffeine. I've been doing a lot of heavy caffeine these last couple days, and I'm loving it because I'm very groggy these days when I wake up. And I went most of my life not drinking caffeine, and I'm loving it right now. So, Yeah, I'm pretty much a caffeine fiend, so I don't even notice it when I drink it anymore. I just think it's just like a natural state for me. Well, it puts you to sleep, we've noticed. It does. It makes me sleepy now. You, so I think I can drink coffee before bed. I've transitioned into <laughs> the other end of the spectrum, I guess. I drink one glass of tea, which doesn't even have anywhere near as much caffeine as coffee, and I feel like I'm ready to go for a run for like four hours. Oh it's awesome. Oh my God, that sounds great. amazing. Yeah, it's, it's it's pretty sweet. I wonder if this is like when people take thyroid medication, they're like, oh, I have all this energy. <laughs> just give me some of that thyroid meds. So just as a heads up, uh, at the end of this episode, we are going to be discussing the movie Prey, which is on Hulu. We mentioned that last episode. Oh, right. So as we, as always, we're going to try to keep it as spoiler-free as possible. Even so, we keep our movie discussion after all of our stories. So if you don't want any potential spoilers or anything like that, you... Don't have to worry, because after our story is done, we'll let you know, and you can either either listen to it or go to the next episode. Well, um, yeah, so I think we should just get into the story. I have a few things to talk about just before that that is somewhat related to what I'm going to be talking about anyway. But before I do any of that, I'm going to pop in my can of the Pumpkin Noir from Marvel. I'm pretty excited about this. Oh, yeah, like everyone online was posting like, oh, summer's over. It's not. I mean, spring doesn't, st- <laughs> I, mean, I mean, fall doesn't start until what? The 22nd, the I think. 22nd, so people were kind of, you know, prematurely jumping at that, I think that like, change. But me mentally, I've checked out of summer already. So the, the minute all the decorations started showing up at the stores <laughs> and everything like that, and now all the places have pumpkin beers and pumpkin flavored stuff. I mean, You're like, fall's here. I don't care if it's hot. I'm not saying I haven't had like five pumpkin spice coffees already, but um, it's probably because it's closer to eight. But anyway, I'm already about fall. I'm okay with that. <laughs> fall has begun, even though it's still summer. Yes. Um, okay. So I have a page a day here that, you know, I got from my calendar. So it's about things that could possibly explain paranormal activity. Okay. Okay. I remember reading this and I was like, oh, sure, sure, sure. And then it progressively got more intense. So you'll see what I mean. So the first is cold spots, moving curtains. It could be an undetected draft, like a window's open or whatever. You have an old house. Ghost and spectral voices could be a carbon monoxide leak, could disorient and hallucinate. Hmm. And Um, kill. Fun. Photos of orbs might be caused by camera glitches or dust in the lens. So we already kind of knew that. Or light artifacts, let's mention that, too. Right, and that, too. Uh, Ghostly touches could be a muscle spasm or a bug crawling on your skin. Mm. I feel like the bug crawling on my skin is more terrifying than if a ghost touched me. I am 100% with you, (laughs) because whenever you, like, see a bug on you and you flick it off, you have the heebie-jeebies for, like, at least an hour. And this is assuming you flick it off to a place that you can see it and then kill it or, like, remove it. Exactly, exactly. But you just feel it the whole time. Whereas if a ghost touches you, no one's like, oh, I just feel like a ghost has possibly touched me for the next three hours. That's not how it works. (laughs) So bugs are worse, completely. Okay, so shaking paintings and objects might be caused by earthquakes or other geological activity. Okay, if you don't recognize (laughs) that an earthquake is happening, I don't even want to hear your ghost story. (laughs) I mean, but also in that same vein, I was like, okay, this isn't calming at all. Like, I guess it's not saying things to make you feel better, (laughs) but these explanations are terrifying anymore. (laughs) If you feel hands on your neck, you might be having a heart attack. (laughs) What? Awesome. So the last one is apparition in your house. Perhaps there's a burglar. <laughs> oh, oh my God. That's actually also That's more so terrifying weird. than the ghost thing. Cause if you walk down the hall and you see someone, you're like, I think I saw something in the hallway. I bet it's a ghost. Like, no. Yeah. That's a guy who's stealing everything. This you is own. the first time I read something where I was like, I'm now less scared of ghosts and the paranormal. <laughs> Thank you. The real KGD. world stuff is yeah. worse. <laughs> so that's kind of what I wanted to read because what I'm going to be talking about today is the Man House Hauntings, a.k.a. the Lake Wales Hauntings. So, Mad House? Oh, sorry, Man. Man House. So, it's the last name of the family, which is M-A-N-N. Oh, okay, cool. 
Yeah. So this haunted house is located in Lake Wales, Florida. The house itself is a one-story, two-bedroom home located in the suburbs. Very ordinary-looking home, uh, not a place you'd automatically think is haunted. I've never heard of, you said Lake Wales? Uh, Lake Wales, yeah. Dude, where in Florida do you even know? You know, I actually didn't look up it on a map. Never so. even heard of that. Okay, all right. Yeah, but it's there. I'm sure there's lots of Florida mans there. Yeah. <laughs> yes, Florida man. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that was a joke you had to read to fully get, but all I right, get it. All right, yeah. All right, so Alan Mann was 19 at the time and lived with his parents. He'd work nights, uh, so during the day he was usually home alone, and around 3 p.m., Alan decided to call it a day and go to bed. As he was just starting to doze off, he started hearing a faint voice calling his name. He opened his eyes, looked around, and noticed there was a woman he had never seen before standing in his doorway. As soon as Alan made eye contact, the woman turned around and began walking away. Alan quickly got up and walked towards the door, but by the time he peeked around the corner, the woman was gone. He searched the entire house, checked locks, there was no one in there, and all the locks were locked from the inside, so it couldn't have been... Sure. Someone, yeah. After this happened, Alan would, on occasion, see some woman enter his room. Or the same woman enter the room. So, okay. like, not just random women. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he tried telling his parents that uh, what was going on, but no matter what, they never actually believed him. Which I think is kind of weird. I mean, I well, what do you think is happening then? Like, do you just dismiss it? It's like, oh, that's just Alan. He's just crazy? Yeah, or do you think he's crazy? Which is also concerning. I don't know. I always feel like dismissing someone when they keep telling you they're seeing a woman is not, I don't See, know. That does make me wonder. Cause if all of a sudden you came up to me and said last night, I saw like a woman walking through our room. I don't know how I'd react. Like I would just have so many questions. I couldn't even tell you how I'm going to react because it's based on all the questions I ask and how you reply to them. Right. Whether I'm like, maybe you were just sleeping or maybe you were drunk or we need to exercise this house. <laughs> like it could be anything. Yeah. But we I need think, to leave. I mean, I trust you. So I, you're not prone to saying weird things. So is this guy prone to saying weird things? And they're just like, you know, it was never suggested that he did, but hmm. never that he didn't. So I don't know. Well, anyway, Alan eventually married Linda. So he's been dating this girl okay. um, who was 16 at the time. Um, you do with whatever you want with that information. How long ago was this again? Uh, this was 1991. Okay, that's messed up. <laughs> like, it's, yeah. I, I, I've always been against, like, that whole under 18 marry thing. But I was figuring, oh, if it's but, like the 16, 1700s, I'm like, that's normal. But 1983, yeah. that's messed up. Well, here's the thing. It wasn't like they met when she was 16. They married when she was 16. I know, yeah. So unless they got married right away upon meeting, I just don't think that's it's what happened. It's really not cool. Yeah, it's a little icky. Definitely. Well, she moved in with the family. So Alan still lived with his parents, and then she moved in with them. And, it seemed uh, like cheaper babysitting than having to waste the gas <laughs> driving to pick her up and stuff. Good lord. Yeah, so you don't have to give her rides all the time. <laughs> uh, so she, even though Linda at this point hadn't experienced anything, she mm -hmm. did believe Alan. Okay. Because she was a believer in general. One night, while Linda and Alan's mom, Sandra, Sandra? No. Sandra, were watching TV in the living room, their little dog, whose name was Prince, began barking at the couch. Sandra, who was sitting on the couch, looked over and saw that there was a white mist forming on the other end. Hmm. At first, Sandra thought there was a fire. Totally legit. But as soon as her dog started barking and, like, going towards the mist, it completely dissipated in a second. Okay. So, it would, it, I mean, it didn't make any sense. And although Linda was in the living room with them, by the time she noticed the whole commotion, the mist was gone. Despite not seeing anything again, Linda was totally convinced there was something paranormal going on in the house and pushed for her and Ellen to communicate with the Ouija board. Well, absolutely. I mean, mist. Like, I like that her first reaction was maybe it's fire. Because if you see right. some sort of, like, fogginess in your house, it's usually a fire. <laughs> the other option would be steam if someone's taking a shower. I so, but, but in the living room, not really. But name me a situation apart from those two where it would be normal. Exactly. So Linda's like, nothing is normal here. <laughs> she knows what's up. Even the dogs hated it. The dog hates it. And they ended up calling a friend who owned a Ouija board to come over and help them. During their session, they found that whatever was communicating with them was much more responsive to Linda. 
So she asked if it was a man or a woman. It answered a woman. When she asked what was her name, it spelled out Kramer. All right. Okay. Sounds good to me. After hearing what was going on uh, and what the couple had learned from the Ouija board session, Alan's dad, David, was getting really frustrated. He thought the whole thing was crazy and that he, and as he put it in an interview, that, quote, I thought I was living with a bunch of flakes, end quote. With that so said, they just so I think this was a family of complete non-believers. I think it is. So I yeah. think yeah. I also want to point out. I don't know if it's relevant. Kramer, not that common a name. You know, we've heard it every now and then. I mean, Seinfeld, I guess. But, but like, I was going to say, this was like 1993. That would have been like peak Seinfeld popularity. So for ooh, some reason, when I yeah, hear yeah. Kramer at that time frame, I'm just like, mm-hmm. <laughs> sure, sure. Is his name Michael Jordan? <laughs> I don't know. I bet it's either Bill Clinton, Michael Jordan, or Kramer. <laughs> Those are the only three names I know. Okay. So despite saying all that, uh, David, the dad, he also went on to say that he didn't want anything to do with it. If it turned out to be paranormal, he really didn't want to know about it. <laughs> so he kind of self-admitted. He's like, I don't believe, but I like, I really don't want to believe either. Like, don't prove me wrong. I know you're you're portraying him like a jerk, but I totally no, I don't get think he's... what he's saying. Like, he's like, I don't want anything to do with this. And even if it turns out to be true, I really don't want to be part. I'm like, dude, smart guy. No, no, no. I wasn't actually trying to portray him as a jerk. That's just how I talk, apparently. <laughs> I'm the jerk. <laughs> no, he, he basically was just like, I didn't get it, gotcha. is all it was. So not long after the Ouija board session, Linda and Alan were laying in bed watching a movie. When Linda suddenly got crazy... Or, like, got a crazy look in her face. Sure. Her eyes widened, and she started to grunt and get very excited. Hmm. She ripped off Alan's glasses and attacked him, all while laughing maniacally. Alan said that her voice sounded different, and she laughed in a way he had never heard before. Mm-hmm. At the time, her parents were watching TV in the living room and also noticed a strange laughter. And also noted that whatever was being talked about in the room, like they could hear voices coming from the room, didn't sound like either Linda or Alan. So they were very confused. The parents got up and walked to the door and wondered what was going on. Kind of taking a closer listen here. Sure. Meanwhile, in the bedroom, Linda was now sitting on top of Alan, holding his arms down, which was not something she was able to do easily before because she was a lot smaller than him. Mm -hmm. Alan was now beginning to freak out and started yelling at Linda to let him go. But the more he protested, the more violent Linda would get. Finally, Alan, with all his force, managed to get up from the bed, all while Linda was still attacking him, mm-hmm. and managed to pin her against the wall. Now, he did say that he pushed her against the wall three times. And her demeanor changed completely, and she started talking to Alan as though nothing had happened. In fact, Alan realized that she was finishing a conversation they were having before she lost control. So it was like she picked up where they left off. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. And during an interview, Linda comments that she had absolutely no memory of the incident. She went on to say that she's not a violent person and had never even tried doing an evil laugh. Like, that's not something she just does, <laughs> I guess. I don't know. That's what I've she said. never even tried an evil laugh. <laughs> you know, I don't know if I have either, but maybe I have. But either way, it's not something you just do. You know, she's not like a character in some movie. Sure, sure. Anyway, as time went on, the family started to notice that whatever was haunting their house was beginning to make itself more known. Even David at this point couldn't deny that something paranormal was living in their home. So now David's on board as well. Eventually, the family contacted a spiritualist for advice and one of the things they recommended was to pour salt all around their house for protection. Which they complied. Sure. I don't know if you know a lot about the salt thing, but... So I I do, but we should talk about it just in case any listeners don't know about it. So salt is something that you use to protect yourself from anything entering that's evil. That's like the most basic way of using it. Mm -hmm. At least this is in context. This is what I'm sure the spiritualist was talking about. But with that said, the entity is already in the house. So if you pour salt around the house, aren't you keeping it in? Agreed. Uh, so, because it, it's supposed to create some sort of invisible barrier. Right. And so sometimes people just put around this. So I even remember for, it's relevant because the new Hocus Pocus is coming out. But in the first <laughs> Hocus Pocus, that one chick like, sure, she spun likes salt around, around yeah, yeah. So the question is, how high does the invisible wall go? Can you go over it? Well, I think it's like pretty high because if you remember in the, in the cemetery, 
Winifred couldn't get in with her So broom. it's at least like two stories high. It's like at least a human size tall. Hmm. Or maybe it's as tall as the person you're trying to protect. So if it's a tree, then as high as the tree. But yeah, using using your logic, if the entity is in the house and you surround it by salt, you're just trapping Trapping yourself. it with yourself, exactly. Um, well, whatever the logic was behind this method, I don't know. But it didn't work anyway, and Alan was still persistent that he ended up keeping salt bags under his bed. Mm. So maybe he just was like, at least in, around my bed, I'm good. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Finally, when nothing else worked, the Mann family decided to perform a home exorcism mm-hmm. on their own. Oh, nice. I mean, no guide. I'm a big DIY kind of guy. This might be a little <laughs> out of my realm oh. of expertise. There's sometimes yeah. you need to call a specialist. I think this is one of them. Yeah, and YouTube wasn't around, so you couldn't even rely on someone else's poor experience and life lessons. But or I'm something. totally imagining the guy who is like, I don't want to hear any of this. He's like, Yeah, we're going to do an exorcism, but I don't trust those guys. We're going to do it ourselves. It's we're such gonna, a dad a way da- to do things. <laughs> Why do I have a feeling he had duct tape in his hand the whole time? We'll have our own exorcism with yeah. blackjack and hookers. <laughs> That's Bender Bending Rodriguez. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. So they had no guide. It was just Alan, his parents, and Linda. After the exorcism, everything calmed down for a couple of days. Mm. But then it would just start up again and get even stronger. As it does. As it usually does. You kind of just piss someone off. That's, that's what just happened. Yeah, with more powers than you. Sandra, during her interview, confirmed that every time she tried to expel the entity, it would get angrier and a new haunting behavior would manifest. So here are some of them. The house began to develop a strong smell of a burned out motor that caused the family to develop headaches. Different rooms in the house would be notably colder. So wait, I want to mention what you brought up in the KJ calendar. Yep, yep. So carbon monoxide causes headaches. And most people can't smell it, but sometimes when something's broken that leaks carbon monoxide, other smells can occur. That's not super common. Do not rely on that. Do Get not. a carbon monoxide detector. Get but a anyway. detector, people. Yeah, so that's definitely one of them. And, you know, the whole house getting colder, certain rooms, cold spots, that sure. started to become a lot more common. The family also began to hear voices. They described hearing multiple voices, but they could never figure out what they were saying. Most commonly, they would hear uh, multiple low voices all at once with the female voice that was particularly louder than the others. Oh, Kramer. Oh, Kramer. What are you doing now? <laughs> but it does make me wonder, like, maybe they couldn't understand it because it's a different language or something. Oh. I don't know. Yeah, I always wonder that. It's rarely talked about. It really is. In ghost stuff, whenever you have, like, ghost hunters, like, we're in Germany investigating this house and they're speaking to it in English. I'm they're like, like, can you hear me? He's like, what the fuck? It's like, not only do they probably not... These ghosts probably not speak English. They speak like a 300-year-old version of German. <laughs> right, it's so old even German. modern German is going to be a little bit weird with yeah. it. But people are like, no, no, no. When you die, you speak all languages. It should be like a bunch of like young kids with their slang trying to talk to an old person now. <laughs> like just that alone, we're like, I don't know what you're saying, dude. Yeah, like speaking to speaking to an 1800s ghost and mentioning like thought. And they're like, <laughs> like what the a hell thought is that? or a th- or thought. I meant like Instagram <laughs> no, <I know>. thoughties. <laughs> thoughties to hotties. Um, oh my God, what are we doing? So I don't want to become a ghost. That sounds like the worst thing ever. But if for some reason that unfortunate circumstance happens, I really hope I can speak all languages. It just yeah. like instantly, boom. Maybe maybe you do. I, I can't do Kung now or Navajo. I wish I'd be able to speak those because they sound so cool. Yeah. Oh, from my understanding, we never could because there's parts We're of- too old. We didn't learn the... Uh, yeah, but there's also... Yeah, like our our brains or something like that can interpret some of the sounds and we yeah, can't recreate the, it. They say, at least with Navajo, if you haven't learned it by a certain age, they say it's almost impossible like for five. you to learn it fluently because there's certain nuances that you have to be able to pick up on. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, how would I know? I'm not an expert in that, but it sounds really exciting. And I think Navajo sounds amazing. I'd yeah. I'd be able to speak it. That would be pretty, pretty cool. Um... On another night, while walking to the bedroom, David suddenly stopped in the hallway because he noticed the awful burned motor smell again. He then shouted, Sandra, tell Isabel to leave me alone. I do not want to have anything to do with her. I'm sick and tired of the smells, the voice, the bells, the noises. Sandra then interjected and asked David how he knew the ghost's name was Isabel. That was the first time he's ever said that. Interesting. David didn't answer. He just stood there wondering why he said that as well. (laughs) (laughs) 
He had no idea. He's like, why did I say that? It's that moment where he's like, am I supposed to hide something? Or? Oh, my God. He has like a mistress. I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> and she's undead. <laughs> That's who Alan has been seeing this whole time. That's Alan's ghost. <laughs> oh, my God. What? <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, is that even funny? <laughs> it's just a joke I've carried over from Family Guy for like 20 years. <laughs> oh my god, it's been a long time. Okay, after all these encounters and realizing that they're not able to solve the issue on their own, the Mann family finally went and consulted with a professional parapsychologist and a psychic. Upon meeting the family, Joshua, the psychic, told them that he believed the name of the spirit was Isabel mm. or Isabella. Did I say Isabel last time? I think you said Isabel. It's Isabella. Oh, well. And so, uh, stunned, David asked his wife if she had told him about this encounter. Like, he was like, I've, not, I've this is the first time I've ever met Joshua. How does he know this? And his wife's like, no, I didn't say anything. And he didn't even tell Alan or, or Linda at the time. So, him and his wife were the only ones that knew. The family then asked, is there any more information you can give us? To which the psychic responded and saying that Isabella's last name was Kramer. Mm. And that they also did not share with him beforehand. It should be noted that there are no records of Isabella Kramer to have lived in the house or in the neighborhood. But there are records of an old cemetery existing before the housing development had uh, occurred in the area. Convenient. And, yeah, but all the bodies were relocated as far as the records suggest, but maybe some ghosts stayed behind. Maybe that's what happened. After meeting the psychic, Linda got really freaked out and demanded that she and Alan move out immediately. She was done. Wow. Yeah. Usually they just want to get more money and say like, we'll do another seance. Yeah, or something. Yeah. That kind of terrified reaction inspires me. (laughs) I'm on board with Linda, to be honest. Not long after, as a couple was packing up the last of their boxes, Linda was ranting about how she hated the house and that whatever was there can go to hell. <laughs> Basically, she was talking shit. Well, not long after, the bulb of a lamp exploded and flames started shooting out of it for about 30 seconds until it fizzled out. Damn. The lamp was not plugged in. Wow. Mm-hmm. During an interview, Linda admitted that she upset the ghost and she said, quote, I upset the ghost. Very bad. She made me mad. I went through a lot when I lived there, and I just wanted to hurry up and get out. I wanted to tell her how I felt before I left one last time. End quote. I like her. It, it totally sounds like something you would do. Yeah, I mean. Just you're walking out of a haunted house, and you're like, but first. But first. Y'all bitches. I got something to say. I'm going to be thrown off a bridge if I ever get out <laughs> Oh, my God, for running my mouth. All right. With all of this going on, eventually word got out and the Center of Paranormal Studies from Silver Springs, Florida, reached out to the Mann family and asked if they could investigate their home. The family agreed and on September 19th, 1992, a team of three gathered their equipment and began to conduct an experiment. Mm. These were their reactions upon entering the home for the first time. So I'm breaking it down a little bit. Founder and researcher scientist James Bosworth commented that they were driving up towards the street and he immediately started to sense uh, or have a sense of emptiness as he approached closer. And when he entered, he also started to get a strong feeling that the air was getting thicker. Mm. He also immediately noticed that the house did have an odor and it made him very uncomfortable. It's always weird when you walk into a house and there's a very distinct odor. Well, I think everyone's house smells like something. Oh, of course. I feel like, everyone's you know, house does have a smell. And not, it's not in a bad way. It just has a sense or well, like usually something. Usually they tend to be pretty subtle. Like assuming very they're subtle. not cooking or anything like that. Usually it's pretty subtle. But if you walk in a house and there's a very noticeable odor, it's very rarely outside of cooking a good thing. Yeah. Like it smells like cat pee. Or they have or like well, if they have pets. Time. Yeah, it might oh, have a strong. But yeah, that's different. Yeah, pet smells different than like a cat that's urinated all over the house for like a year. Oh, sure. Um, or if it has kind of a weird musky smell or a moldy smell or anything like that. This smells are a really, they're a big triggering thing for me. Yeah. I remember the house that we rented last time when we first moved into it. I always got like a 
old house smell, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which I never smelled again after living there for a while. But I always wondered, but I never really got a sense in the house we live in now. No, I, I it it didn't smell like anything because it hadn't been like freshly painted or anything like that. And no that. one was living in it. So and I guess no one had been in it in a while and it was really clean. So I think, yeah, I didn't really get a smell. But I, it does remind me of one story back in like seventh <laughs> or eighth grade. Where, you know, we're all young. How old are you in eighth grade? You're like 12, 13, something like that? Uh, 13, 12. Yeah, it depends, I guess. And me and a bunch of people are standing in the locker hallway. And one of the guys, you know, says, man, what's that smell? Like, there's something smells terrible. And he just decides, you know, as rudely and inappropriately as a 13-year-old would, he's going to walk up to all the people around there and sniff them to see if it's that. What? I'd be like, get the Away from and me. he's going around and he's like, people. now, by the way, this kid always smelt like cigarettes because he came from a smoking house. Like he always smelled oh, like an yeah. old cigarette. Well, so I think it's so funny that he's the one judging it. And then I remember as he's <laughs> going around and, and, you know, when he goes to like some of the girls, he's like, oh, you just smell like perfume. You smell like perfume. And then he gets to me and he smells. And then he smells the second time. He goes, Chase, you smell like your house. I love the way your house smells. <laughs> and then he sniffs again and then he keeps <laughs> moving on. And that was the first time I became aware that houses had smells. What? But I was at least fortunate enough that okay. he was like, your your house smells good and you smell like your house. I was like, okay, that's a good thing. But I had no idea my house smelled like a thing or something. So I would say that when I enter your house, it definitely smells, if no one's baking, because baking was a big thing in your house, uh, it smells like a library because there's so many books So everywhere. many books. That might be it. It really, yeah, yeah my parents' house that I grew up in, yeah, walls and walls and walls Just, of floor to ceiling books. And there's books piled everywhere. I mean, your house is a library, basically. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, I'm very fond of the way I, I notice the smell now when I go back home. Oh, it sure. It smells like home. But yeah, the book smell, that's a, yeah. So that's it. Yeah. I'm sorry to digress. It was just a fun little story. <laughs> I really thought your story was going to go somewhere really awful because he didn't no, no. specify that the smell was good. He just said, what's that and, smell? And he never found someone who smelled bad. My assumption is maybe somebody farted or there was a sewage backup in one of the bathrooms in the hallway or whatnot. Maybe he, he did. Just... And then he smelled and he's like, oh, she smells lovely. And well, then that it, was, and he did, he like directed the. Well, he kept going on after me to smelling other people. Oh, oh, he, I thought yeah. he meant, I thought you like he left. But I just meant <laughs> everything about it screams the inappropriate social interactions of 13 year olds. Mm. This is not something anyone would, like, if you and me were at like a brewery and I smell something weird, I'm not going to stand up and start smelling everyone around me, like going sure. up to them and smelling their shirt and be like, is it you who smells bad? <laughs> Like, who does that? But uh, Don't stray too far. It's me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, moving on. Paranormal researcher Russell McCarty's first impression was that the house had a very unpleasant presence, mm. as he also noticed a foul odor that he described as rotting flesh. Mm. So it's different. And that's a lot closer to the demonic stuff that we've exactly. seen in a lot of the stories. So what's going on? Maybe it's getting really angry, and that makes it, like, a hateful presence for everyone. I don't know. Parapsychologist Andrew Nichols said that he felt an oppressive presence and the longer he was there, the more depressed he felt. Mm. So every single one of them had something pretty negative occurring once they entered the home. Yeah. Now this is what happened during the investigation. After being in the home for several hours, the entire team began to experience headaches as well. So maybe, again, the carbon monoxide. Sure. But if it was that bad of a carbon monoxide leak, I feel like the family would have been dead a long yeah, time ago. Yeah, you can't go that long in a carbon monoxide-rich no. environment. So I'm assuming that's not the case. Right. Uh, it, this is straight up. I'm not used to hearing about headaches from demonic stuff, but. Oh, I have. Oh, man. That would be the worst for me. I do not handle headaches. Well, like, there's everyone has different <laughs> thresholds of pain. There's a lot of things I can handle a lot of pain for and everything. I do not handle headaches well. I don't either. Well, I don't know. I guess I, I used to get headaches all the time, so I had to. So I learned to deal with it, but I don't get them that often anymore. So it's more debilitating these days, I think. I don't like them. I don't think anyone does. <laughs> the team measured the electromagnetic energy, and they found that it was incredibly high especially in Alan and Linda's old bedroom. Nichols explained that the readings were abnormally high and wouldn't normally occur unless there was a power surge. Hmm. So you and I have experienced a power surge once. Although we were not home, we certainly saw the damage that it caused afterwards. Yeah, it melted a... We had a surge protector on the wall, and it melted the surge protector. 
and the whole house filled with smoke. And our neighbor, they also got the the surge. They they said light bulbs explode in their house, which and it, well, shouldn't they said happen it, with modern light bulbs. So I don't really know if they they're meant, exaggerating. They probably heard a popping sound. Yeah, maybe the filaments just broke, and yeah. they just said our light bulbs explode. But yeah, a transformer, <laughs> uh, the electrical transformer that supplied our block exploded. Right, and we got a lot of damage to our house. And P and M refused to compensate us for any of the damages. This episode was not brought to you by PNM. Okay. It will never will be. <laughs> it never will be. Oh my gosh. So that's what, basically what I'm trying to allude to is that it just, it would have been a very abnormal reading. It sure. didn't make any sense. The team also took two Polaroids during this experiment. The first appeared to be completely washed out. So they took another one, which turned out to be normal. However, after a couple of minutes, the first picture began to take form. And oh, so by the way, this is a Polaroid. Oh, yeah, I figured. Okay, so after several minutes, the image had what looked like a bright yellow human-like shape standing in front of, in front to the right of one of the researchers. Okay. So here's a picture. I actually Ooh. printed something out this time. You people listening can't see this. Nah, nah. <laughs> huh. It is kind of weird, isn't it? So, I mean, obviously, people listening can't actually see the image, uh, but we'll put it on our we Instagram do... post as one of the images. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What I'm going to say this photo looks like is it looks like a photo that has an exposure issue. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if they're getting power readings. What if there was like levels of radiation or something in the house? Because oh, this looks this looks like there's something wrong with the photo. Like something's happening to the camera. Yeah. I don't see a ghost or a figure. I see. I kind of see a figure. I mean, you can kind of see it. I don't know. I guess we'll make you guys be the judge of that. Sandra looked at the picture and confirmed that that was exactly what she saw at the end of the couch the first time she experienced oh. something. So she identified it like, yeah, it kind of was like that. Maybe it's a little brighter here because it was more mistier, but she's like, that's basically it. So we don't know. Weird uh, photo anomaly, like you said. Maybe it's paranormal. Well, Unsolved Mysteries did uh-huh. a story on this, as nice. I found out. And something cool that they did is that in 1993... The Polaroid was taken to Polaroid's headquarters in, in Cambridge, Massachusetts to be analyzed, and they concluded that the mysterious shape was not caused by a defect in the film or in the camera. I wonder how they decided that. Like, I figured they're experts. I trust that. Yeah. I just want to know how they figured that out. Like, that's I'm fascinated by that. I kind of wish they, they took it to a non-biased party, because this is the Polaroid brand. The, the official place to take, you know, their own equipment and stuff. Sure. I just feel like they wouldn't want to make a statement that, yeah, our camera sucks or, like, our film was exposed. I think that's a really good point. And, I mean, we're also talking about the company that has regularly told us, do not shake your Polaroids, but everyone still does it, so. <laughs> and it's usually fine. <laughs> it's usually fine. <laughs> I wonder if you could, sh- like, take two photos, shake one and not the other, but, like, of the but same see, thing and bring it in there be like, hey, experts, which one was shaken? But, see, that's the thing, though. Polaroids are so not the same, even if you take them in consecutively in the same light, because it depends how That's the true. camera is taking in the light for that one photo. That's true. Uh, yeah, it's just, just saying. The picture, the electromagnetic reading, and their personal experience was all that was gathered during the investigation. Okay. Although the team couldn't get rid of the ghost, which I don't think was ever their goal anyway, it did bring a sense of validation to the family that they weren't crazy. Hmm. So I think they felt good about that i mean to a degree sure despite this the family had a priest come to the home and cleanse the house so this is like they're just getting anyone who's like willing to help at this point although the hauntings had stopped for two months the family was already done with it they decided it was time to move and it also had to do with the fact that they had experienced this type of false hope where the entity would leave, but only to come back with more vengeance. So they were like, even if we don't feel anything for like a couple months, they'd still be worried. They're still, back. they're kind of still like, they're just Dreadful uneasy. anticipation. Yeah, and I think they're just done. So yeah. they, they actually ended up moving out. Smart. I Yeah, exactly. I think that was, if you can, I know people can't just move. Right. But they were able to, so I'm glad they did. I wasn't able to find any information from other homeowners before or after the Mann family lived there. It seems like the hauntings did completely stop and it did not follow the family, which is really good. Yeah. Maybe the cleansing of the house were actually effective. Maybe the ghost was only responsive to the man family, which is a, a thing. Sure. Absolutely. Or maybe it was, like you said, hallucinations. Maybe there was mold in the wall, carbon monoxide leak every once in a while, which I don't know if that actually happens. <laughs> Who knows? But that is my story. 
Uh, so wait, what happened to the house? Well, it's still there. I, I think families have moved in, and like I said, they just no problems. There was no issue. That seems to be. I mean, you, there's two kinds of haunted houses: the ones where you hear that it's been haunted and bothering people for hundreds of years, and yeah. then there's one where like the Amityville style, where there's <laughs> right. like one really bad occurrence. And then nothing happens. And afterwards. then you're just fine. Yeah. yeah. Or even sometimes like, which I always find very interesting is that there are always consistent hauntings after a family moves, but they'll be so subtle, like a normal ghost. Whereas the family before would have been like hit with a rock and like, you know, <laughs> saw a woman try to strangle them. But then a new family moves in. They're like, yeah, I think I heard some footsteps upstairs once. I could just imagine that on Zill. It's like only subtle ghosts here. Only subtle ghosts. Mild haunting. No big deal. <laughs> we have really introverted ghosts here. It's okay. How are you with spiritual crap? <laughs> All right, that was a solid story. Yay, I'm glad you liked it. Well, I can't wait to get to mine, so we should take a quick break because I really want to throw mine at you. Woo-hoo. All right, see you in a few. All right, we're back, and I'm excited for my story, and it'll give Lily a chance to actually drink her beer <laughs> instead of just watching it get warm while she was telling yeah, you the story. I took a few sips. So just like we brought up at the beginning of this episode, but in many previous episodes, Lily has a page-a-day calendar that's like horror-themed. Each day presents a new horror story, and whenever Lily comes across one that falls into my particular realm of interest, (laughs) she puts it on my desk. Long-time listeners know that I tend to focus on New Mexico horror stories, island-based horror stories, as well as UFOs. So, you know, (laughs) some people like some, some people like them all, some people like none. You guys aren't my (laughs) friends. Well, this was one of the island horror genre And it's actually a pretty interesting story. The problem is, after I researched it, I was having little luck finding a single source to corroborate the story. I can't verify anything, and I'm wondering if it was just fabricated for the calendar, or maybe, like, someone heard it once from, like, a boat captain is just like, (laughs) yeah, let's put this in the calendar. I have no idea. I mean, saying that you couldn't find sources, you mean, like, anyone else talking about this? Google brought nothing. Whoa. Yeah, so anyway, while trying to research it, I came across another story that shared many elements of this story. Okay. And this new story I found had far more information and actually contained names, places, and events that are either real or had tied to reality or everything like that. Sure. Not to mention the fact that it was just more interesting. So I decided to pursue that story for today's episode, but don't worry. Afterwards, I will tell the story from the calendar so you can see the similarities and realize why it probably was impossible to find anything about. Okay, perfect. So today I'm going to talk about the ghost of Harry Maine. And that's a name, Harry Maine. I'm not talking about a lion's mane that's excessively hairy. (laughs) Too much hair. Right. So it's quite an odd story dating all the way back to the 1600s. There is no Wikipedia entry, but Google brings up quite a few sites about Harry Maine. And even though I've never heard it before today, apparently the story is well known to people who live along the Massachusetts and New Hampshire coasts. There is even an old poem about him written by James Appleton Morgan that I'm going to share with you now. Fun. Harry Maine. You have heard the tale. He lived there in Ipswich Town. He blasphemed God, so they put him down with an iron shovel at Ipswich Bar. They chained him there for a thousand years as the sea rolls up to shovel it back. So when the sea cries, the good wives say, Harry Maine growls at his work today. Ooh. So it's got a nice antiquated tone to it. Very (laughs) colonial America. Very. So the tale begins in the year 1671, when a fisherman by the name of Harry Maine rolls into Ipswich, an area that lies along the coast of what would eventually be northern Massachusetts. This is just north of the Boston region, by the way, for people who are trying to picture what it is. He arrived with a man named Andrew Diamond. The two of them had a history of fishing and apparently owned a house together in the Isle of Shoals, an area around 23 miles off the coast north-northeast of there. Andrew Diamond's importance to the story is limited, as he seems to have broken most, if not all, ties with Harry after arriving in Ipswich. He is said to have done well for himself financially and is credited with both building numerous wharves and with creating a fleet of boats used in shipping endeavors. The latter was allegedly a joint venture with Francis Wainwright, which is important because this person was very famous and verifiably existed. Like, Mm. he's a real person with historical relevance to the United States. Either way, Harry Maine pursued far less ethical endeavors (laughs) after arriving in Ipswich. Harry became what locals referred to as a wrecker. Mm. Wreckers were vile criminals, hated by all. 
The best way to describe a record is quite literally a land pirate. Oh, so burglar. No, <laughs> see, <laughs> I had never heard this term before. So when I read it, I read land-based pirate. I just assumed, oh, they meant like a brigand, a burglar, a highwayman, sure. something like that. No, no, no. It's still a pirate, but it's a pirate who plunders ships, but does so without a vessel. Uh, okay. Wreckers would allegedly wait for pitch black nights to enact their villainy. They had two forms of trickery. One would be to set up bonfires along the coast, giving the appearance of either a lighthouse or dock. And the other would be to strap a lantern to a horse's neck. As the horse would graze and walk around on the beach, the lantern would move up and down, giving the illusion of a boat on the water bobbing up and down. This was known as a Judas lantern. Either way, both of these tricks would confuse boat captains leading them off course, and the boats would then crash against the breakers and the coast. <gasps> oh. The wreckers would then loot the ship, scavenging all they could, and the evilest of the wreckers were known to kill all survivors on the boat as well. Yikes. Harry Maine and his partners in crime were this type, and often called moon cussers, a nickname believed to be derived from the notion that they would curse the moon because when it was full, <laughs> it brought enough light to foil their traps. Oh my God, that's amazing. Harry Maine was said to have worked the land of Ipswich Bar and Plum Island for many years, earning his rather horrible reputation. After a while, however, justice caught up with old Harry. Him and his fellow assailants were arrested and found guilty of their crimes. Now, if you remember, this was still the 1600s, long before the establishment of modern criminal justice systems we have in so many countries. When being thought a witch could get you killed, you can imagine that Harry Maine's punishment was quite fitting for the time. He was brought out to the Ipswich Bar, one of the beaches he had tormented for years, and he was chained up and given a shovel. It was said he was forced to continue to dig as the tide brought in new sand. He had to continue digging or else he would drown. I don't know the specifics of how this would work. I was thinking that. I was like, wait, wouldn't it fill with water and then he would drown more? Well, it's it's hard to find specific details because all the stories about it kind of just said he was doomed to continue shoveling until he either died of exhaustion or drowned. Oh, maybe he had to go pretty far in and, like, build a trench so that the water would gather. I'm but just... the idea was as he dug, the the tide would bring in new sand. Yeah, okay. And so maybe he was supposed to be digging to get himself out, or maybe he was supposed to be digging to divert water so he couldn't drown. All the stories about this are not detailed as to the method of torture. Damn, I just want to know now. But we can just now. assume he had to keep digging endlessly so that he wouldn't die of drowning. Okay, got it. What I can say, though, is in my experience, if we look pretty much any time to the past before, you know, the last couple hundred years, we were really good at torturing people. Yeah. And so I just assume that whatever they set up, however it worked, was probably a really, really crappy way to die. I I imagine. Even when you died of natural causes back then, it was like, I starved to death. Oops. Like, there was no food. We even Or TB. (laughs) (laughs) Well... Uh, George Washington died of strep throat. Yeah. Something that no one dies of today. Well, at least. As long as you have access to medication, you you won't die from it, probably. And when I got to tour his house, they showed, you know, the bed he died in and they show the bucket that they said was like filled with blood. And I'm like, wow, strep's a very different experience when, you know, you don't have (laughs) antibiotics and you live 300 years ago. Yeah, exactly. But, But as for Harry Maine, it wasn't a quick death. For days, people could hear Harry screaming from the beach miles away. In the years following his death, when storms wreaked havoc on the beach, people would often say things like, the devil is raising old Harry, or Harry Maine grumbles at his work today. So that's where the poem came from? Yeah, yeah. But Harry Maine's story doesn't end there. I mean, that's a given on this (laughs) podcast. The locals believed that Harry had hidden a considerable amount of loot from his pillaging. Some figured it was hidden in his house on Water Street, which was ransacked repeatedly as a result. Oh, I bet. And as you can imagine, there was nothing in the house. And not to be deterred, other fortune seekers decided, well, maybe he buried it on the grounds of his house. So they would regularly Mm. dig up the property. And once again, nobody found anything. Others theorized that the riches had been buried along the beach, leading to many people fruitlessly digging up the shoreline. (laughs) And it is here that the legend gets even more fantastical because apparently one treasure seeker was so obsessed with it that he had three successive dreams about the location of the treasure. He dreamed that it was on a particular sound hill on the beach. 
and one night he traveled to the hill with a shovel and began to dig. After digging a rather deep hole, he unearthed an iron bar laid across a large flat stone. So you can assume in the 1600s, finding something deep in the ground, that means it was very intentionally put there, not just left behind. Or old or something. Or old. He attempted to use the bar to pry up the stone when he allegedly was surrounded by a group of black cats. (gasps) Like what kind of cats? House cats? According to legends, black cats, but their eyes burned like fire. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so he, he this apparently scared him. So he used that bar and he was waving it around, <laughs> trying Good to get thing the cats, I found this bar, <laughs> trying to get the cats away from him. And as soon as the cats fled, he noticed that water had been pouring into the hole he had dug, oh. and it was filling up fast. And he got to the point where he was waist deep in water <gasps> already because this hole was huge. And so he clambered out and ran because he was, you know, oh, good. he's okay. like, wow, this is really bad. Crazy evil cats, water's flooding in. But he had the bar with him. He took the bar with him and he ran. Now, they don't say what happened to that pit. I think the assumption is that it filled in it with filled sand up. never to be found again. And he allegedly used that metal bar to fashion like a doorknob that one of the famous houses in Ipswich is supposed to have that doorknob on the Oh, on cool. The that was just that little story. That's so weird. However, those same cats were seen again, and they were often seen lurking around Harry Maine's old house. Ooh. People who moved into his old home rarely stayed for long, and it quickly developed the reputation of being haunted by Harry Maine's ghosts. Eventually, his house was torn down, but I should say not before the advent of photography. Yes, there are photos of Harry Maine's oh, house. Oh, that's awesome. It was still standing in the year 1900, but was torn down shortly after. It is said that the ghost decided to move elsewhere when it was torn down. One version of the story suggests that Harry Maine's ghost traveled up to Plum Bay and at night attempts to dig up his lost treasure. And according to the legend, locals were scared to walk the beaches at night for fear of running into his ghost. Or a hole. Or a hole. (laughs) It's like, just fall in. Yeah. Broken. (laughs) That does not sound fun. But another version of the story suggests that the ghost was actually quite lazy. And just moved next door. (laughs) That's more my speed. 32 Water Street was built in 1713 and is known as the Jabesh Sweet House. This house is still standing today. You can visit it if you want to. And stories of its haunting of the ghost of Harry Maine became ubiquitous in the years that followed. Although specifics are minimal, the occurrences in the house are described as uncanny. The legend says that the town ministers assembled at the house to pray in order to get rid of the demon. Some say it worked. Some say it didn't. Ooh. A lot of people claim that the house is still currently haunted. You can tour the house, apparently, but I think the curators say it's never been haunted, of course. Some people embrace yeah. the scary story. Some people don't. But it's a it's like some an angel-looking house. Some people get really offended, because especially if it's like historically rich, they're like, why are we getting overshadowed? This is like all really good history. Stop saying there's, there's ghosts here. Well, and if it's... Yeah, if it's supposed to be like a colonial thing. Right. (laughs) I don't think they want to be like, oh, yeah, the ghost of a guy who regularly murdered people and robbed them. You're like, that's what we're going to remember? Yeah, that's what's here at this (laughs) historic 300-year-old house. Yeah, and I'm like, yes, please. Now, how much of this true and how much of it is legend is obviously up for debate. Whether or not Harry Maine ever existed or if he's merely a fabrication is unknown. Gordon Harris of historicipswitch.org wrote about this legend. It was actually my primary source for this story, and he notes that according to the records and files of the quarterly courts of Essex County, Massachusetts, there was no record of a man named Harry Maine ever existing. But there was a Henry Maines, who was a fisherman who drowned in 1687. Hmm. And it is unknown if there's any relation. The names sound similar, but they're not the same name. But that's how legends go more often than not. Things change over time, so it's hard to say. change, but also it's very difficult for a lot of these records to be kept. He was a a murderous psycho who, like, killed a bunch of people who were coming ashore. I guess, like, that would have been a pretty big story at the time if it did occur. Maybe it was obviously sensationalized. Absolutely. But, yeah, I even see those records being lost or something like that. Like, I don't think it would be unreasonable to think that nothing of solid information was kept alive. Oh, I completely agree. I mean, how often is paperwork done wrongly today? Yeah. I mean, I still have my power bill sent to the wrong address after months, (laughs) and I've tried to correct it. So we're talking about 1600s records. We have no idea how accurate they were, and information gets lost and forgotten. But legends tend to continue, 
as they said in the Sandlot, legends never die. Legends never die. So when you create a nice urban legend, sometimes it will outlast the information about what really happened. Yeah. Now that I've covered that story, let's go to the calendar story that led me to it. <laughs> it was titled The Ghost Horse of Monomoy Island and was from June 21st was the date on that calendar oh, that okay. was covering. I couldn't remember. I don't even remember giving you that. Every once in a while, like when I get something and it sounds like it's on an island. Well, the title said island. Yeah, I don't even read it. I'm just like, I'm going to let Chase figure it out because I like to be surprised. So I didn't want to know. You didn't miss much. Okay. <laughs> It claims that at night, people can see the ghost of a black stallion swimming around the island of Monomoy, which is just off the coast of Cape Cod. It suggests that the ghost is that of a stallion that was used by moon cussers to create a Judas lantern, which mm. is how I discovered the other legend. Right. Because I, I had to reset. I was like, what's a moon cusser? What's a Judas lantern? All yeah. that stuff. So hundreds of years ago, there was a small town on Monomoy Island, but now there is just the lighthouse. The town was demolished, or maybe it washed away, but it's gone. There's just a lighthouse there. Okay. And it is primarily a wild, a wildlife refuge now. Oh. But apparently, or allegedly, according to this calendar, which I could not corroborate anywhere else, the stallion's ghost is said to swim up to ships at night to warn them of the dangers. And I'm like, oh, that, I mean, that's cute. Aww. But, I mean, can you imagine being on a boat and you're like, is that a horse? No, that's a ghost horse. Yeah. Warning but- us, there's an island over there. I don't want the horse to help me because I'm going to think it's a boat and crash into the lighthouse. (laughs) Right? I was like, wait a minute. So as you can imagine, I couldn't find much about that story. That's all it said. But it led me with the information of like moon cusses, juice lantern. I I read around and I kept getting this hairy mane stuff. And I was like, okay, this is a much more interesting story. That's pretty cool. But I will say I can't deny that the idea of a ghost horse, I don't understand it. I think... (laughs) What do you mean? You know, sometimes people uh, you see in movies or stories, horror tropes, and sometimes you're like, yeah, I don't find this one funny or I don't find this one scary or anything like that back and forth. The horse, though, I'm wondering if some people find the idea of a ghost horse scary because I'm remembering the movie The Ring. Oh, right. And they had like the horses that were like committing suicide by like jumping off the cliff and stuff. But that was explained based on like the woman's experience because so she like raised horses and yeah and they were perform not performing a what do you call them like they do tricks <laughs> i wasn't sure if they were trick horses or if they were just show horses show, or if they're race horses. i, I, I think they were like they were. not show horses but you know like they they jump the little things and the, oh maybe they were short i don't know what they're called yeah i don't obviously know a lot about horses but i have the feeling that whenever they watched the video that you would die seven days after you saw like the horses were in it and i think it's supposed to be scary but i didn't find it scary yeah 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 yeah. i think the only scary horse i've ever seen apart from just like a real life horse that's really angry and just kicking and bucking around i mean that's that's, scary scary. i think the only like horror or ghostly horse that i ever found scary is the one from the headless horseman the Sleepy Hollow legend. Oh, yeah, yeah, Because that horse was supposed to have, like, blood red eyes and yeah. supposed to be absolutely terrifying. So that also horse the was a little creepy. Ringwraith's horses are pretty creepy looking. Oh, that's true. And then they even rode dragons later, so. Yeah, which were kind of scary. <laughs> I fell off a horse once. Did you really? Yeah, so I was, I don't know. I'd like to say I was eight, maybe a little oh, older. Baby. Yeah, and so I wasn't on the horse by myself. Uh, my mom was behind me, and she was kind of holding me. And they were like, oh, let's take a picture. And we're like, okay. And then all of a sudden, the horse bucked and like, and then, and then went up. You got yeeted? Yeah. And he threw us off and he kicked me in the, in the chest. What? But barely. I can't even explain it. They thought I was like gonna die or something. Um, Because what happened is there was a bit of a mark on my chest, but it was just teeny tiny. Like it just missed me, but it was strong enough to like scratch it or like kind of hit it. And so I totally lucked out, super almost died. But the reason why it freaked out is because it was above an ant hill and it started biting it because it was red ants. Oh. Yeah. So it was like a very terrifying experience. Did you ever ride a horse again? <laughs> yeah. Okay. I was like, was this the end of horses? No. Now, every time I went to Mexico, I would get on it just for a little bit, not a whole lot. I never learned how to ride it on my own. I always rode with someone else. Horses are terrifying. I've never ridden a horse ever. You've never? Nope. Not uh, even at like a zoo or I don't something? think I've been closer than maybe, I think the closest I've ever been to a horse was in downtown Albuquerque back in the day. Mm-hmm. 
when they used to close off downtown. I think they still do close off downtown on the weekends for like drinking and partying. But when downtown used to be so much bigger and busier than it is now, they would also have all the horses, the cops on horses. Oh, and they'd right. always be, you know, standing there watching around everything. And I think I got within like three feet of those horses. <laughs> That's like the closest I've been to a I horse. mean, I've been next to those horses too. Yeah, so the last time I rode a horse, I was 14. And the reason it was the last time is because that's the day I learned that I was also allergic to horses. So I wasn't allergic to them before. Mm. This was just added to the list at some point that I didn't realize. All furry creatures. Yeah, and... And I was so severely allergic. Like, I was riding them, and then I didn't know what was going on. I touched my eyes. That got, like, super puffy and red, and it was just clear. I can, I no, I can no longer ride horses. I think it's funny. You want to ride horses, but you can't because you're allergic. I'm not allergic, but I don't know if I want to ride a horse. <laughs> There's something unfair about this, I'm sure. Yeah. I, I had a chance to ride them when I was really young. I think this would have been, like, fifth grade birthday. My mom said we could what do you want to do for your birthday? And it boiled down to my two options where you could go to this place where like the kids can ride like ponies. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Cause my sister had done that on a, on a previous birthday that I've never done. And that sounded fun. But then the other option was to go to the ice skating rink. Mm. And for some reason at my age, I was like, that sounds like more fun. I like ice skating. It's fun. I've never been ice skating. So boom, yeah. you've, you've been on a horse. I've been ice skating combined. <laughs> we have a full experience. Now I do try to avoid ice. I'm not allergic. I just don't like it. <laughs> Yeah, if you were allergic to ice, you'd be dead. Yeah, I would be a lot of dead. Well, anyway, back to the everything I was doing. That's my story. <laughs> so back to the show. <laughs> and it's over. Yeah. It's like the ad break on yeah. Hulu, and then all of a sudden when it comes back from the ad break, it's, it's for like, the credits, and you're like, ah! But it's like a crappy ad break because it's like about how I fell off a horse. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's more entertaining than most Hulu ad breaks. <laughs> sure. Yeah, by the way, we have Hulu with ads because I'm cheap and I hate spending money. <laughs> That brings the stories for today to a close, but we now want to transition to us discussing the movie Prey. So if you're not interested in hearing it, now's the time to go to the next episode. But if you are interested in hearing about it, we are now going to talk about it. Woo-hoo. So as some of you may already be aware, uh, several weeks ago on the 5th of August, a movie called Prey was released. I had seen the trailers and I was under the impression it was coming to theaters, but I guess I was wrong. It's a Hulu exclusive. So if you want to watch yeah, it, you got to have Hulu. I swear I thought it was going to come out in theaters as well. I had no idea. And it definitely has the production values that it could have. Yeah. So since there are more streaming services than I care to keep track of, it is a bit frustrating that so many movies are now exclusives. But thankfully, we already were subscribed to Hulu, which as far as I'm concerned, is just the Spanish word for Law & Order SVU channel. <laughs> because that's all we that's use it for. my direct translation, Yes. So if you happen to be one of the people with Hulu, I can't stress enough how worth your time this movie is. And don't worry, I'm not going to, you know, ruin the whole plot or the ending or anything like that. There's nothing that we're talking about that shouldn't be, that wasn't already in the trailer. Uh, It is the latest film in the long-running Predator franchise that started all the way back in 1987 with the film Predator starring Arnold Schwarzenegger. If I'm being honest, this series has had more bad movies than good. And I would usually say that even the films in the series I liked were for a specific audience. Like, the original one was very much an 80s action film. Oh, yeah. It was like Rambo, but with aliens. Exactly. So if you're really not into that, you may not even like it. So I actually rarely recommended the Predator movies, even though there's a couple that I enjoyed. Mm -hmm. This one, however, I can confidently say is the best film in the franchise. I think it's the best. I loved it. Absolutely. And I would also say if you've never seen a Predator movie, it is completely designed that you do not have to have seen it. Oh yeah, I hadn't seen a Predator movie in a very long time. Now, granted I did see a lot of them cuz I uh, I think I saw the one where they were in an island with Adrian Brody. I just remember that. I think it was just called Predators. Yeah, and I barely remember that one. I just remember certain actors cuz I was like, "Oh, didn't you expect think it was you to Adrian be here." Adrian Brody and Topher Grace. Topher Grace, that's right. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it was fine. It was an action-y kind of yeah. whatever movie. If that was the only Predator movie, it would not have become a franchise. No, it would not have. <laughs> but yeah, Prey was amazing. Um, the The lighting in it, the the music or like the subtleness of it, I thought was brilliant. I just, it felt like I was there. They yeah. did such a good job of like making such an atmosphere, a life. Like this was a realistic scenario of where people are living and what they're doing. And if something weird, like a predator alien had infiltrated their planet or like their surrounding area, 
absolutely this would have been somewhat of a reasonable reaction. Absolutely. And we've already discussed the similarities we got watching this and then the movie The Revenant Mm -hmm. in terms of the way it's visually presented, not, not in terms of the plot. And The Revenant was done with completely natural lighting. I don't know if that's the case here, but it definitely feels and looks very similar. Yeah, I do feel like they probably use a lot of natural lighting, which I thought was... I always love that. Yeah, it looked amazing. It was filmed in Canada, but I think it's supposed to take place in the northern United States region. But it's filmed in Canada. It's absolutely amazing. So so if we just talk about the specifics of why this is interesting, it takes place... I think it takes place in like the early 1700s or something like that. I think so. It might have mentioned it, actually, but yeah, I don't I th- remember. I think they do kind of reference it. And uh, the majority of the cast, they're indigenous people. Their role is that they're a Comanche tribe. Yeah. You know, yeah. all the actors aren't actually Comanche, but they're playing that they're in a Comanche tribe. And what happens when a predator comes? And if you don't know what any of that stuff means, don't worry. You should watch the film. It's done very <laughs> yeah, well. Yeah, exactly. And I thought it was really cool. Um, I don't know if you mentioned this last time, but they do actually speak the language like Comanche while they're sometimes communicating with each other. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why I like this. Maybe it's because I thought Love it was it so much where, no, 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 not just the talking of the language, but they didn't even bother giving us subtitles. They're yeah. like, look, you just have to accept that you yep. don't know what's happening. But like at the same time, it was always in context. So it wasn't hard to understand. Yeah, you could figure. Right. Like you can tell like, oh, they're giving them directions in Comanche. Like some, they're going to start moving or something. So you knew you just didn't know the exact words. Absolutely. And one other cool fun factoid is they also dubbed the film over in com- in the Comanche language. Oh, yes. Language. So if you want to only hear it in Comanche language. Yeah, absolutely. You, you can. Yeah. So the, the, it's primarily presented in English, but you can change the audio if you want to. And that's just awesome to me. I think the next time we watch it, we should do that. You want to? Oh, absolutely. It would because be so I, wild. I, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, many of the actors did their own dubbing. Oh, that makes sense. You know, which is always good because sometimes when you get dubs, they they pick an actor and you're like, that voice does not look like that person. That like, does you can not just tell. match. So or, I think that would help. Yeah, exactly. And especially if you were in the movie, it's a lot more helpful to maybe like recall a, like how it felt to be in that moment. I don't Absolutely. Know. So who would I recommend this movie to? Honestly, anyone except a few caveats. If you really hate gore, there's not a excessive amount of gore, but it is gory. Slightly, uh, yeah. If you hate gore and action movies do absolutely nothing for you, it's probably not for you. But if you if you think a good act, a well done action film is good, gore doesn't bother you. You like horror I, elements, sci fi elements. I'm not a big action movie person though, and that would deter me by you just saying that. Really? Because I don't find it very actiony, like in the sense where like, okay, why is this car flying in the air and exploding? To me, that's action. Like if okay, somebody said action, I'm thinking that or like Jason Bourne, which I just recently saw. And I'm not about that. But there's fighting and hunting and things like that. In here. There is. But that's like, like I said, it's realistic. Yeah, You're like, oh, at least I yeah. get to see what it would really look like if I had to hunt something or like, I don't know. Um, versus, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll drive a car off a mountain. That'll totally be realistic. That to me is action. And it, on that note, I would say if you have seen the original and you are going to this movie thinking you're going to watch another Arnold Schwarzenegger type film, you will probably be disappointed because it's nothing like that either. Yeah. It definitely stands on its own. And I know it's controversial to say best Predator movie ever because the original is definitely it's, it's good carried very highly in a lot of people's mind. And I love yeah. the movie. Don't get me wrong. But anyway, I thought it was a great film. And the fact that we didn't have to pay a dime and we were able to just watch it on Hulu, I can easily say it's one of the best horror movies I've seen in many, many, many months. Yeah, I uh, agree. So many recent horror movies have not been great. And well, this except one, Nope. I mean, that was a really good one. Nope was phenomenal. We yeah. really enjoyed Nope. But like we just saw the movie X, Ty West film, and I'm a huge Ty West fan, but I just really it wasn't, wasn't for it. me. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to waste our time talking about it on the show other than. I can definitely see why people like it, though. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying it's not for everyone. I'm not saying mm-hmm. it's a bad movie. It was just, eh, it was whatever for me. Yeah, and. Yeah, just like you said. If you liked it, that's awesome. Glad for you. But I was pretty disappointed considering how much I loved his other films. Considering how much sex there was, I was shockingly bored. I was shockingly (laughs) bored. Yeah. Yeah. A horror movie about porn, you'd think it would be both sexier and scarier, and it was neither. Yeah. But I should also note, since we were talking about sexiness and whatnot, one thing to mention about Prey is it's got a very attractive cast. Oh, my God. I was thinking that the, I was literally going to say that. I was like, would that come off pervy? I don't know. But yeah, yeah everyone- Yeah, that's trying to be all creepy. No, no, no. Not like, oh, yeah, come here, baby. Not like that kind of attractive, but more like- wow, this is a really good looking cast and I've never seen any of these actors before. Yeah. It was just pretty, uh, I don't know. 
if that floats your boat too, there you go. And they acted really well. So I'm hoping we start seeing a lot of these actors and more stuff going forward because they were great. Yeah, they really were. So I, I don't know. Is that, I think that's all we got. got. Yeah. Watch it if you got Hulu. (laughs) I mean, just do it for the SVU, obviously. (laughs) Well, uh, thank you guys for joining us today. If this is your first episode with us, well, welcome. And I hope you join us again. If this isn't your first episode, hello again. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. We waited this long to say hello. 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 (laughs) It's good to see you. (laughs) Remember, you can always email us at hotwpodcast at gmail.com with a story suggestion or your own spooky experience, which we'll include in our listener episode, which we we always do in October. Mm, It's coming, it's coming, it's coming. I know, I can't wait. And as we always say, if you find yourself having a work week hangover or a local brewery pumpkin noir kind of hangover, well, don't worry, because the best cure for a hangover is fear.